Welcome in. Happy Monday. I hope you had a fantastic weekend with some friends you can trust. You are locked in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. And you know, the station says we have a lot to talk about and that we do after the weekend. This is the show, of course, where we hit all the trending topics across entertainment, sports, lifestyle and culture. We got to give it up to TLC. What about your friends off the first album? Right? Ain't too proud to beg. Shout out to them. Classic right there. So listen, we have, like I said, many things to get into tonight. So I hope that you are relaxed. Maybe have a beverage, a snack, that you're in a comfortable position. If you are not already following us on social media, why not? Get into it. KBLA 1580. Follow me everywhere at Stiletto Jill. Also, if you haven't downloaded the app, go download the app. You can take us with you. Listen to any of the shows on the station at your convenience. That's amazing, right? And lastly, well, it's not even lastly. In between, <laughs> lastly, if you want to call in at any point and get in on this conversation tonight, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. Also, if you want the visual experience to go along with this audio experience, feel free to hop on the YouTube channel. Get in there. The chat is always bustling. I already started with questions for the night. So, of course, let me give you the rundown on the topics that we're going to get into tonight here on RSVP with Joel Monroe. So, first up, first hour, Nia DaCosta. She is a director. You know, she directed several movies that you've heard of. She is the black female director of Candyman. She also directed Captain Marvel. She's the first black female director within the Marvel film franchise. Okay. Well, she has a film opening up in a couple of weeks, a Marvel film, The Marvels. And um, there's been a bit of controversy. There was an article that was released a couple of weeks ago. And Amongst other things, dealing with Marvel and some of the troubles that they're currently facing, they discuss Nia leaving this project early to go start work on another project. And there's been a lot of talk about it. And, you know, as a black woman, as a black woman filmmaker in this position, these type of critiques generally tend to hit a little harder than they would someone else. So we're going to get into the details of that and what she said in response to the article and a couple of other things surrounding that topic. In hour two, we're going to get into actress Yvonne Orji. She opened up once again about life being a virgin at 39 years old. You know, the former Insecure actress talked about this early in her career, and it's a topic that has popped up again over the years. So we're going to get into her most recent comments. And <laughs> are any of these podcasts, is the Internet a safe space for a 39-year-old virgin? We're going to discuss that. We're also going to talk a little NBA lifestyle topics in the last hour, the after hour of the show tonight. Um, 
there's been a clip that has been making the rounds of Gilbert Arenas giving advice to young NBA players about the lifestyle and some of the things that they will encounter as young men dealing with young women, excuse me, in this situation. So there is a lot to unpack around that. There are some details and context I feel are missing from this conversation. And it also lends itself to a couple of topics that have come up over the past couple of weeks. You know, some of them regarding Joe Smith. We're going to talk about Cam. He recently had Joe Smith's estranged wife on his podcast. Well, it actually isn't his podcast. It was Stat Baby's podcast. But I want to talk about some of the questions he asked her and if it was inappropriate or not. We're also going to get into 45, maybe Paul Pierce is 46. I don't know. Year-old Paul Pierce shooting his shot at rapper Ruby Rose and some of the controversy surrounding that. And, of course, some other topics that are bubbling under. What did you say, Andy? 46. Okay, so P-squared is 46. So, yeah, we're going to get into that topic in the 11th hour, 11th hour, in the 11 o'clock hour. So, listen, we got a couple of conversation starters, naturally. These are topics we can't fully get into, but you need to be aware of. So, first up, the streets, the rumors, really social media, are saying that Lori Harvey and Damson Idris might be done. You know, social media detectives get in and get busy. Allegedly, the two have unfollowed each other and cleared both their social media of all photos of each other. However, savvy social media users have also noted that they're both currently in New York as Lori Harvey receives an award from the California, not the California, the Center for Fashion Design and Architecture. I believe that's the proper title. At any rate, we'll get into more of these trending topics and headlines on the other side. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. You're locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. So first and foremost, let me correct myself. It is the Council of Fashion Designers of America. It's a very prestigious organization. And to receive an award from there, it's, you know, a fashion fund funded by Vogue. Um, it's very prestigious. So Lori's being honored there, as I mentioned. Damson also happens to be in New York. So maybe they're just opting to take their mid to high profile relationship a little more private. Could be. I see privacy making a comeback in this new era, we hope. So also... Let's talk about the fact that um, there's going to be some new interviews dropping tomorrow. And interesting subject matter, of course. I'm sure we're going to get into some sound bites from them in the future. But Nia Long and Jeezy have an interview coming. I'm not sure whose podcast this is, if it's Nia's or if it's Jeezy's. But they're going to be talking about forgiveness and relationships. Both of them have had recent high-profile breakups, so it'll be interesting to see what type of conversation they'll be having in that capacity. Also, Royce Reed, formerly of Basketball Wives, she is the mother of one of Dwight Howard's children. She's going to be in an exclusive conversation with Carlos King, 
regarding her situation with Dwight Howard. And from the previews, looks like it's going to be pretty explosive. She is implying that his money is what kept her mostly silent over the years. We do know that there was some gag orders and NDAs that she had to go through. They had a very volatile public spat for custody and various other things early on in their relationship. She is also implying that her life may be in danger because she is speaking out about Dwight and these situations. So we'll have to see what she actually says when that is released tomorrow. We'll check into it. Also, over the weekend, BravoCon took place. We're going to be getting into some of the sound bites from that tomorrow. However, you know, it was addressed if Andy Cohen would consider bringing back Nene Leakes to the Housewives. Also, Robin Dixon and her situation, that is one of the Housewives from Real Housewives of Potomac. Her situation with her husband, former NBA player, former college head coach, Juan Dixon, is being discussed. There's rumors of infidelity and explanations and so forth that have been making the rounds. So we're going to get into that. Also, you know, college basketball season is upon us, right? And so I just want to put you guys up on game about something. In case you are unaware, there is a young lady playing at USC named Juju Watkins. She is a SoCal native, right? Went to Sierra Canyon. Her grandfather, her great-grandfather actually is Ted Watkins. He founded the Watts Labor Community Action Committee. And she has been hooping since she's about seven years old. She was highly recruited, top NIL student, athlete. And in her debut today against Ohio State, she dropped 32 points, six rebounds, five assists. Oh, by the way, when was that done before? Lisa Leslie did it with a 30-point debut well over 30 years ago, you know, Lisa Leslie is also another SoCal native. So um, she is one to watch as women's sports climb. I know some people are on the fence, but just in case, there's a young lady right here from Southern California that you should be watching and checking out. So that's an update on that. Now, we cannot, cannot mention, go, I mean, a minute more without mentioning some upcoming things from the holiday season that you should attend, that I want to attend, that we are all excited about. First off, New Edition has announced a Las Vegas residency, and it is about time, you know, after the success of Usher, we've seen Janet there, Bruno Mars, um, J-Lo, a bunch of others. Really, this era started off with like Celine Dion and Boys to Men many, many years ago, taking it back to Vegas after shaking off kind of the cheesy factor that Vegas had developed from the 70s. And I have to say I'm excited. So far, it's six dates. Hopefully, they'll be adding more. And, um, you know, perfect timing as Usher will be leaving, heading on his world tour following the Super Bowl. I'm telling you, anyone that doubts that Vegas is the live entertainment capital is missing out wholly. Um, our YouTube chat is already active. Let's see. Tony Yayo says, the whole Joel Smith wife thing is a scam. She got her 15 minutes of fame. Um, yes and no. I think there is some truth to that, but I also think that she was just being petty. 
in recording him. She didn't know it was going to take off like this, but it did. I can't imagine that a man would stand there and allow himself to be like you talk about Will Smith. I don't think Will Smith was emasculating when you look at something like this to a degree. There's much more to it. There's cheating, other things. We can get into that in the third hour if there's time. Adam Milan says, you know it, Jill, right here with you, Andy. Hey, boss. Well, shout out to Adam for checking in with us. We always appreciate that. Okay, so again, new edition. Headed out to Vegas. We're excited about that. Also, Brandy is going to be performing at the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. She has dropped a Christmas album. You should check it out. Um, November 23rd, she'll be breaking it down. So make sure you tune in for that. Thanksgiving is just a short time away. Can you believe it? Also, briefly, we got to talk about spin the block season. It is most certainly spin the block season. Sunday morning, Tony Braxton had everybody in a little frenzy when she posted a selfie of herself and Birdman saying, sending Sunday kisses, Birdman. Now, I don't know if they've been together all along and have just kept it really low and quiet. Could be. If they're revisiting something and just wanted to share on that good, fine Sunday morning. Could be. But, I mean, we are seeing a lot of that you know we saw Janet and Jermaine and Nelly and Ashanti of course are thriving and also Stevie J recently celebrated his birthday and he showed a beautiful setup on the beach with roses and a blanket and flowers and a charcuterie board and the back of a young lady that looked surprisingly like Faith Evans. We're unclear about if it is faith or not, but it looks like it could be. So, you know, we'll have to see what's going on with that. I'm sure that we'll get, you know, some type of update in the future. Uh, Side note, the new edition residency, I should say, is going to be at the Wynn Hotel at the Encore Theater. And again, six shows in February, wrap up in March, just in time, right? Okay. Let's talk about Nia DaCosta. So right now, it's not a secret that Marvel has a bunch of issues for them right now. They have a lot of properties that have not performed in the way that Disney and the studio necessarily (laughs) were expecting, right? Ant-Man and the Quantum Realm didn't do the numbers they thought it would do. There's also the problem with Jonathan Majors and his pending domestic violence trial as Jonathan was a big part of, I believe it's phase phase five that Marvel is currently entering in as far as the next phase. And there were standalone movies. Currently, Loki is available on Disney+. Plus. He has a great part of that. So there are lots of things happening. With the new film, The Marvels, which combines elements of Captain Marvel, Mrs. Marvel, the Disney Plus series, as well as WandaVision, the Disney Plus series as well, um, there's been sort of, not problems, but delays, we'll call them, delays in bringing together all the storylines under one roof. Obviously, there were things as far as the strike and pandemic, there were 
you know, trying to pull all the storylines from these various projects together, lots of reshoots. And during the end of post-production, which is tantamount for directors, really, it's when the film is being put together, it's when extra pieces, it's when they're, you know, there's notes that are given during the actual production process. And then as you are putting the film together in post-production, there's also notes. And of course, you want your director's input, correct? But this film was extended numerous times just because of delays for various things. And, you know, Nia was kind of called out about that, about leaving the project. And as a black woman, as a black woman working with Marvel Studios in a genre that hasn't seen a great deal of black women in the forefront in a director's role or, you know, being the lead, we're starting to see changes in that. It's kind of sensitive, right? So in a recent interview, because the actors are still on strike, so even though this is happening, Nia is responsible sort of solely in promoting the movie, right? So in a recent interview with Jake Hamilton, she discussed what actually led to her not being there at the end of the post-production process. And that actually it wasn't something that took the studio by surprise. So let's get into that. A lot has been made of the fact that you went into production on another film when the mm. Marvels was in uh, post-production. Mm. But 30 years ago, Steven Spielberg went into production on Schindler's List when Jurassic Park was in post-production. Yeah, and yeah. people applauded him for it. Yeah. I'm just sort of curious, like, what is the difference between what he did 30 years ago that yeah. everyone still goes nuts about and what you did? I honestly I'm yeah. gonna, I don't see the difference. It's interesting. I mean, I think there's just a lot of energy and criticism around Marvel anyway, so I'm not surprised. But, um, but for me personally, it was literally just that they moved the date of the film four different times. And so instead of it being a two-year process, which I was deeply <laughs> committed to, it became a three-and-a-half-year process. So every time the date moved, and they knew the entire time that I had a, an obligation, a greenlit movie with people who were waiting for me, and I pushed that, and I pushed it again, and then I pushed it again, and then eventually we all knew, like, okay, if this pushes again, I'm not going to be able to be in L.A. Uh, to do the rest of this. Um, in person. So we just figured out a way to like do it remote. We figured out the best process. And actually at the time that I left um, to go to London to start prep on my next film, uh, everyone was so clear about what the film was, what we wanted, everyone knew what I wanted. Um, so it really wasn't the, the dramatic <laughs> sort of thing that I think people are feeling like it is. So, yeah. Well, I feel like anyone who, you know, granted, obviously, you know the industry far more than I do, but anyone yeah. who has any kind of a grasp on how this business work goes, yeah, yeah that's, that's a thing that happens. happens quite a bit, yeah. So here's the thing with that. I One, I appreciate that Jake framed it as such. Jake is a white man. Let's be clear about that. But that he framed it with what other famous directors have done on a project that has been extended out and pushed out because the projections for the Marvels as a project aren't too great. Let's be honest. There are already, without it being released, some complaints. The anticipation is that it will be yet another Marvel film that is not going to live up to the expectation. And again, with a black woman helming this, it's looked at differently. It's approached differently. 
even though everyone knew that project kept getting pushed out for various reasons, COVID, the Disney schedule, the Marvel schedule, how they wanted to present it, it's still falling on her solely as its fault, even in the middle of all of the other things that are being discussed and sort of the challenges that are facing the franchise currently. You know, some of it could be overkill. We're getting a lot of Marvel content in a short amount of time for a lot of um, from a lot of different places. It could just be burnout for people. But again, in an industry, especially now as we are starting to see the woke movement, the racial reckoning that took place in 2020 slowly be walked back in various areas and pushed back in different spots and those gains disappearing before our eyes. I think that it is important that the correct narrative is out there. I also think it's important that different voices are asking her that question and recognizing what is going on because we know so many times people don't look beyond the headline to see what the deeper story is. They just take the clickbait and keep that moving. And you can't fault people for that. Our attention spans are shorter. We have a lot more access to things coming at us. We have a lot more options to get our entertainment, get our information. But I think it is also responsible for us to do due diligence and for those that are presenting it to also give a balanced approach, which, you know, for the most part, some do, some don't. We know the ones that do and don't. <laughs> but, you know, it's a choice. It's a choice. And I think that when we think about these stories and we talk about it so much, how representation is important and what that means, we also have to make it a point to get to the full story. I think that that is nice. I think that um, it is important because it may not impact her, but the next one coming up behind her, it might be. And though, of course, we don't have control over that. We can't shape the hearts and minds of people, especially those we don't know in context. We can do our small part to help to make sure that the truth is out there. And the details are clear because that's one thing me personally, I can't stand. Sometimes we all talk about things that might be a little vapid or what have you, but make sure that you get to the details. The details are important, at least as far as I am concerned. So on the other side, we're going to get into more trending topics, more headlines. Listen, this is kind of, it's kind of early. It's not a throwback Thursday, but I thought this clip had a special message to it in addition to be to being funny. Um, Mr. Miyagi, Pat Morita, shared a story about comedian Red Fox. We're going to get into that and the audio from that on the other side and why I think it's important. We're also going to get into a little bit of Lauren Hill and her speech about being late and why you should be honored by her lateness. All of that and more on the other side. You are locked in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580 News and Sports. Up next. That's a fabulous featuring Roddy Rich, Time. 
off the summertime shootout mixtape part three. She take off a touchdown and designer. She a spicy mommy. Sorry, it's pricey mommy. I got caught up once. I ain't had a right. 2019. Wow. That long ago? That long ago. But it's a fire record. Okay. And I felt it was apropos considering the fact that, you know, you're going to talk about Lauren Hill in a bit. Uh, yeah, time. She respects it. Not at all. Exactly. We're going to get into that. So listen, before we get into Miss Hill, right? And shout out to Andy for always keeping it lit, keeping it fire. Sometimes educating me in the process. I appreciate it. You know, I rarely get stumped. But when I do, I learn. Well, are you a Roddy Rich fan? You know, he's kind of a newer artist. <laughs> You're so you funny with that. I mean, everybody was a fan of the box, right? Right. He was popping before the box, but I'm with you. Okay, but but my point, everybody was a fan of the box, right? Correct, correct. So, all right, that and what was the follow-up that he had that was... I can't know? even think off the top of my head. Okay, we'll see. I am a single Roddy Rich fan. I don't okay. know deep cuts. Mm -hmm. I have not been a consumer of a full project. I feel like he kind of did this. I don't know if Lil Baby, I feel like, came in and swooped some of his thunder during that time period. I feel like, was it 2019 into 2020 when, yes, it was, when the box was everywhere. That was, I feel like, what I listened to when the ball dropped at mm -hmm. 12 o'clock, you know? Yeah. Um, and then something happened, and I feel like Lil Baby came and stole all his thunder at that time well you know definitely roddy rich's name was kind of on the rise um i think a lot of people outside of the box are familiar with uh his feature on nipsey hustle's uh racks in the middle okay okay mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. everybody knows about them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right 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 And right. you know it's crazy that song had dropped out at the time when nipsey passed so i think roddy rich's name definitely kind of elevated and then he dropped the box and then you know it kind of went downhill from there. But who knows? He's probably in the lab cooking up something. We'll see. You know, what do we love more than a downfall? A comeback. <laughs> so that's it right there. So listen, Pat Morita, he is, he was Mr. Miyagi, of course, in the Karate Kid movies. He also, if you are old school, he played Arnold, I believe that, was it Arnold or Al? On Happy Days, like when the original Arnold took over, maybe his name was Al, and he took over and bought the spot. And he's also a comedian. He made, um, was on the early episodes of Sanford and Son. So this interview has got to be at least 12 years old, if not older than that. But it's making its rounds again. And not only does Pat Morita do a spot-on imitation of Red Fox in this, as he described going to Red Fox for help and Red Fox's response to him, but I think the message that is embedded in this is really important and probably nice to share considering the world is in flames right now a little bit so just a gentle reminder so a little throwback story early in the week but i figured why not it's been bubbling up and i thought the impression was funny and the message i propose so let's take a listen you sit over there i'll deal with this i explained to red chance to buy a house etc etc and uh uh Escrow is going to close in uh, four days. I'm $3,500 short, and uh, I'll work it off. I'll pay you back any way I can. It's a, so he said, $3,500. And 
ain't got no small change on me right now, but uh, calls his secretary over with a thumb snap. He says, bring me my checkbook. So he's writing a check. Pat Morita, $3,500. And as he's writing, before he signs his name, he says, now look here. I don't want to hear about no papers, no payback, no interest, no IOU, no nothing. If you want to pay me back, I know you're going to make it one day, son. You do this for somebody. Never forgot it. Have done it. Fortunately, I got to that place he predicted I was going to get to. And uh, have helped a few people under the same conditions. So I think it's important to always remember, you know, sometimes people ask for help. Sometimes, you know, people are asking for help and they can't pay you back realistically or they say, oh, I'm going to pay you back next week. And, you know, next week they're probably going to need twice that amount again or whatever. But if you can, obviously, if you can pay it forward and tell them that when they get it and they get the opportunity to help somebody else out. I think that's a nice message. It's a nice way to help someone and to keep that giving spirit going. We know that um, Red Fox is famous for his issues with the IRS, but he was a giving person. Probably had a lot to do with how he got into some of those predicaments. He had a comedy club right here in the Lamert Park area where Pat used to perform and lots of other comedians from back in the day. So um, he was about reinvesting in the neighborhood, passing along the black dollar, helping his fellow brother, man, regardless of race, just being a good person. So I think that those are some things that we can remember. And I know that Red Fox, maybe for, I would imagine y'all know who Red Fox is. But for the few that don't, he was the lead in Sanford and Son. Also had a CBS sitcom briefly called The Royal Family, which he passed away while he was filming. It had Lorenz Tate as a youngster. He, um, Della Reese played his wife, I believe, in it. Um, Short-lived on CBS, but... But um, something you should check out also was in Harlem Nights, one of my favorite Eddie Murphy movies because it had Eddie, Richard Pryor, and Red Fox in it, some of the legends. So, you know, special thing. Andy? On top of, uh, you know, giving, right, I think as a giver, you should also um, not expect anything back in return. I mean, that's fair. That is fair. I always say, you know, when you do something for someone, sometimes it helps, especially if you're one of those that gets touchy. If you can't afford not to give it back, don't give it, right? And also, if you have to give it and then go share with everyone that you did it for that individual, maybe don't do it. And that's not to say that you should allow yourself to be taken advantage of or that people should not give thanks or whatever. But these things also shouldn't be a requirement if you are helping someone out or, you know, extending that kind hand and grace. Just my opinion. You do what you wish. But I I like to think of those things. I think oftentimes, especially now, we forget to leave people with their dignity. I think that is something that, you know, we do it a lot with shading and all of these things and a lot of these conversations. And you forget that people are human and there is a level of dignity that you should extend to everyone, in my opinion, even if we're going to have jokes occasionally about some of this stuff. When we come forward, we're going to have more trending topics and headlines. We're going to talk about law. 
Warren Hill. We are also going to talk about your guy, Shug Knight. You know, he has a jailhouse podcast and Shug Knight loves to spill the tea. But is it lukewarm? Is it kind of watery or is it the real deal? We'll get into that on the other side. You were locked in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. You are locked in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. So listen, last night here in L.A. at the forum, the Kia Forum, Lauren Hill graced the stage. She also brought out the Fugees, you know, it was a family affair. She also had Lil Wayne hit the stage, right? So it was an impactful and eventful night. But I believe it was the night before, maybe two nights before, Lauren addressed again the controversy about her reoccurring lateness to performances. Now, some feel Lauren is a legend and we got to give her that grace, right? But others, and I would be inclined to be one of those others. Let me say this, right, before I get into this. If you haven't seen Lauren Hill perform live, she's an incredible performer. That breath control is still there. She controls the stage. It is, generally speaking, right, of course, there's some nights, there's some variants there, depending upon when you see her. But as of late, the performances have been top tier. Having said that, I think you got to respect your audience, your fans that are and have been supporting you in this habit for years and years and years and years and years based off of the lore of one album, one album that though classic, we never got a follow up. So we don't know if there was. A duplicate process in this feeling. We know what she did with the Fugees and obviously that stood out. That solo album was on another level. You know, it's legendary to drop one and then disappear. But we know there's a lot behind why we didn't get a second project. There are the lawsuits and rumors of things that happened with the original production team for that album. Right. There are rumors of mistreatment of some of those people. We know there are tax problems that Lauren is paying off and doing so through these performances. So there is a financial incentive. Of course, there's always a financial incentive and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, there's the added financial incentive of I don't want to go to jail and I got to get Uncle Sam off my back. Right. No big deal, though. However, (laughs) we're going to listen to a little bit of what Lauren had to say about why you should be honored to sit and wait to witness her perform. She's late. She's late to lot. Yo, y'all lucky I'm making this blood rise stage every night. Sold so many records and no one 
God showed up and said, hey, would you like to make another one? So I went around the world and I played the same album over and over and over. Now, Lauren, you know that a second album was requested. You know that a second album was desired. You also know babies are beautiful. We love babies. You started having a lot of babies. You fell in love, right? And um, for some, that can be a distraction to their career. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. And like I mentioned before, there were some problems with the original production team and things of that nature. Fans have overwhelmingly supported you. And that one album around, 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 around. That album sold well. So I kind of feel like this story of the underdog pushing through is a gaslight. I think it is a repositioning of the facts and I don't think that is fair because the remain the remainder the the main thing is that the fans have supported you in spite of all of these setbacks in spite of you know the fact that you're human and you're flawed they still have shown up for you consistently year after year and waited and for you to kind of play them like you're the victim in all of this not saying that there aren't moments where you may have been victimized, but overall, are you really a victim? Is it fair? I don't know. I just think that she's being a little dishonest with the facts, and there's no reason to be. Like, people are still showing up. You still have an audience. You hear the fans, yes, you go. I mean, they're there. So why are we going into story time it's not needed you could just keep it 100 with that and the fans that love and respect you and have been supporting this one album for 20 plus years almost 25 years at this point will continue to do so so um yeah lauren girl i don't know i don't know so speaking of little white lies and we're kind of moving around with the truth you know, Shug Knight has a new podcast from jail, right? Collect calls with Shug Knight. I mean, listen, it's clever. I thought, though, I guess it depends. Maybe only if it's murder. But I thought that you weren't allowed to earn money from, well, I guess technically he's not earning money related to what he's being um, jailed for but I thought there was something to that I'm unclear but Shug Knight has this podcast where he is doing storytelling story time with Shug Knight collect call with Shug Knight and in a recent interview with Nick Cannon on Nick Cannon's The Daily Cannon Shug revealed a lot of things you know as he does because Shug is a chatty patty but I mean that warmly. He always has been. He shared. He, We've got some good story time from Shug over the years, right? And I suspect this Jailhouse podcast 
will be no different. Although, like I mentioned, I think there might be, you know, as the years go on, sometimes the details of the story get a little exaggerated or puffed up to make for a better story. At any rate, Shug Knight revealed that at one time he had Deion Sanders signed to death row. He said that when Prime wanted to be a rapper, he called Shug and Shug said he spent half a million dollars of his own money to put Dion in the studio with different producers. He put him in the studio with Dallas Austin. He said he did all these songs. He paid for everything. And then he said one day Prime came to him and was like, well, you know, Prime has a deal with Nike and Death Row is a black owned company. And we don't really want to deal with a black owned company, even though you paid for everything and we signed to you. If you can put us on the Interscope brand, we can make this work. He said that Dion then took a deal with Jimmy Iovine and he claims to have been deeply involved in Sanders success and also claims that he was never paid for the work that he put in to Dion's career as a rapper. Um, when did must be the money come out? I, I suppose it's possible that is after the debut of the chronic and doggy style for Snoop. So, you know, it is possible. And we do know that Interscope was farming from them, but, um, it's just interesting. We'll get into more of the topics that Shug Knight was discussing on Collect Call with Shug on the other side. In addition to that, we're going to talk Yvonne Orgy and her journey as a 39 year old virgin. Is it time to stop sharing that information? We're going to get into that and more. Plus, a couple of other trending topics and headlines that are buzzing around. You know how we do over here. Thank you for locking into Hour 1. Make sure that you stay tuned for Hour 2 with RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. News.